everyone. You are listening to CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam Territory in Vancouver. This is your host, Ileana Sosa, and you are on the Art Support. We have a very lovely uh, interview today that I'm very excited for. Would you like to introduce yourself, interviewee? Sure. Hi. <laughs> uh, my name is Annie. I am a fourth-year BFA actor. And she's from UBC as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case anyone didn't know her <laughs> already. Uh, we also have our reporter here as well. I'm sure you know her and love her. Hi, guys. Lua here. I'm back. I'm, I'm here back again. again. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you are doing, you are an actress and you are doing some of the plays that are going to be showing this year for uh, UBC. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any plays that you're excited yeah. about? Um, so the only one that is guaranteed uh, so far that's been cast is Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> As you can tell some of our expressions, yeah. we very much love Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, we're so excited. And it's um, it's just the dedicated show, so it's only the graduating class that's in it. Oh, that's wow. Yeah. yeah, so that's really exciting. And then we audition for the rest of our season on, I guess, in two weeks-ish. Is yeah. there any, like, play that you're also, like, gunging ho for? Uh, we're doing Lion in the Streets by Judith Thompson, which is really exciting to me just because it's a Canadian show. It's a Canadian playwright. Mm. Um, and so that's really, like, something that we don't often get to do, I feel like, uh, especially in university, because you're studying the classics and you're doing that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, a lot of Shakespeare, a yeah. lot of, like, older. Yeah. And so um, it's exciting because it's a female Canadian playwright. Oh, cool. Yeah. Even better. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Um, and it's kind of dark, a little bit, like, different than our usual thing. Ooh, yeah. a dark play. Mm-hmm. That does sound kind of exciting, kind of scary. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. It sounds fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's like a bunch of people kind of doing horrible things to each other. Oh, so it's, nice. it's fun. <laughs> It'll be entertaining, at least. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so since you are uh, already casted for Much Ado About Nothing, who are you casted as in Much Ado About Nothing? Uh, I am playing Ursula. Uh, and also Conrad, like a gender-bent version of Conrad. Uh, oh. Yeah. So we're doing a few, like we mixed up with the casting a little bit. We're living in a matriarchy as opposed to uh, the general like casting of some of Shakespeare's shows. So we have a few more roles for the ladies in our class. Um, and yeah, no, I'm really excited. It'll be two very different roles uh, to tackle. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I that think does sound be like great. a really interesting, like, change in uh, mm-hmm. the play. So I think it might keep it a little fresh well, for I think, people. Yeah, the challenge is, like, with with our our class makeup and a lot of the class makeups is um, there's generally quite a few more women than men. The only exception is the year below us. But, like, prior to that, it's always been significantly more. And so it's finding those roles that allow the girls to kind of dig in. Um, while also obviously giving our guys opportunities to do things, um, but not always forcing the women to play men uh, mm. when we could switch it, you know? Yeah, I like, yeah. I like that idea. Um, I don't think many people think about plays that way with like gender bending, but especially Shakespeare. I think Shakespeare is, is one of the um, authors that, or playwrights, that you can really bend with his yeah. plays. Like, it's really fun to like play around with Shakespeare's, mm-hmm. and the stories are timeless. 
And it's interesting to see this one being gender bed as Much Ado About Nothing has a lot of stressing going on already. So it's kind of like an, I like that added um, element to the play itself. Yeah. Well, you're already dressing up, right? Like you're already in costume. People are trying to pretend to be other people. So like, why not change everything around? I like that. That's really fun. Um, Yeah. So you've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there has there been like a memorable uh, act that you've done as like a role that you've taken on that you felt like you learned a lot from? Or yeah, I so last year I don't know if anyone saw She Kills Monsters. I um, did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, yeah. I didn't because um, I don't remember why I didn't. It was something. It was good. Oh, you should have. It was really <laughs> yeah. fun. No, that was like that was an exceptionally cool play because that was um, the most physical show I've ever been in. So we were training a lot in stage combat and doing a lot of movement, um, which was different than anything I had been exposed to before, and also like in the program. Uh, so that was my favorite, I think, because it was like uh, it was an opportunity to take up a lot of space on stage and, and to kind of like command a presence in a way that was almost cartoonish. So we got to break out of like the pressures of being realistic and, and, and digging into like these emotions and feeling things. So, you know, like the pressure of acting and having to be so real um, and we just got to have fun in a way that was still, I think, entertaining and still like drew the audience in, but we didn't, you know, we got to yeah. play around and, and be more physical um, in that way. So that was really fun. Yeah. People who didn't go see it, they should have. <laughs> very, very fun. Uh, I don't like which role did you play yeah. in that one? So I was one of the evil cheerleaders. So it was evil Gabby. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the uh, like evil demonic cheerleaders. I and was then, like trying to pinpoint you. I was like, <laughs> yeah. The high pony should help today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do that have that high pony. Um, yeah, so that was really fun. It was kind of fun to just play a bad character, you know, like <laughs> someone who's pure evil, like right to the core. That was very entertaining. <laughs> evil characters are fun to play as. Yes. But <laughs> evil people are not, guys. Don't be evil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is fun. <laughs> yeah. As someone who plays like uh, the, D- the D&D kind of r- role role that it played in the she feels monsters was a huge like nerd alert to me <laughs> yeah and i definitely play kind of morally gray characters in <laughs> so a lot you of do my play DVD. yes i do play <laughs> yeah we had decided dalen and i who was the other cheerleader had decided that we were chaotic evil and that was just like <laughs> <laughs> straight up no good intentions in I our characters. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. Get on that get on that evil chart. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um so so you only have this one I'm like jumping all over. I'm sorry. No. That's okay. Yeah, go um, for it. But you only have already like a set cast for the much to do about nothing and yeah. the other ones aren't set casted. No. Um could you tell us about what but you kinda do know what the plays are gonna be. Yes. Yeah, Can of you course. Tell us about those. Oh boy, yeah, put me on the spot. <laughs> Gonna put you yeah. on the spot. Um, okay, so uh, "Lion in the Streets" uh, by Judith Thompson, which, which was the you're one excited about. Yeah, I had mentioned previously is I'm a, a yeah, sorry, sorry go ahead i like that because you were like there are a lot of evil people and you're like i love playing i <laughs> love it yeah no there's so many characters that would be interesting um to dive into it's definitely an ensemble piece so there's lots of storylines that go on 
Um, but it essentially follows uh, a young girl, Isabel, who has been murdered. Uh, and she doesn't realize she's back in her, sort of on her block uh, that she grew up on as a ghost. So she thinks she can be seen, but she can't. Uh, although slowly characters do start to realize she's there. Um, but she kind of tours through and like, I, it's been described so many ways and it's like a well-studied play. But the way I would describe it is she kind of witnesses people, in my opinion, people at their worst. Like there's just these horrible scenes that you get dropped into and you see people treating each other in like kind of despicable ways. But uh-huh. it is so interesting. So that's like a, a very fast paced scene uh, or sorry, play. Um, and then the second one is Gold Rush, which is a smaller cast. It's by Guillermo Calderon. And that is a new play that we, I think we are the world premiere, but don't quote me. We're <laughs> definitely an early um, staging of it. And that one follows uh, the story of two actors and a director on set for a movie. Um, and the director brings in two alternative actors um, alternative meaning porn stars um, <laughs> and uh, to shoot a scene in the film. So that one is also really interesting because it deals with stuff that's really close to home, like sort of the dynamics of casting and the dynamics of uh, like acting, creating something um, and also sort of like competition and that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so, like, the actors that he had originally chosen have to compete with the porn actors for well, the parts? I'm or is it like it sound like it's a lot more <laughs> than it is. But it's, it's essentially he's brought, he has two actors that he works with regularly who have shot almost an entire film with him. And he sort of ushers them off, uh, off the set one day. But they don't quite make it to leaving before they clue in that there are two people who look very similar to them coming on to set and so they hang back to see what's going on and they realize that he has shot a sex scene with uh, like body doubles who are uh, willing to shoot that scene without their consent Um, oh wow and so they don't know that that's going to be in the scene so it deals with um, it, it deals with sort of like the actors have different opinions but then it becomes about, well, maybe the show needs a different ending. Maybe the script needs to be changed. And then you have the traditional, like, initial actors competing with these new actors for the roles. Um, lots happens. But that's kind <laughs> okay. of the gist. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So two very different shows. One, like, huge ensemble and one kind of smaller. Um, and we're going to be in the Telus studio again, which is where... Uh, she kills monsters was for that oh, nice. final one, so that'll be that'll really be fun. an interesting uh, uh, kind of setting because if anyone hasn't been into that uh, mm-hmm. uh, stage before, it's like you're kind of very close to a lot of the actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I I like to think from what I've like seen from a lot of the shows that I've gone to go see from them, uh, a lot of the a lot of the kind of uh, movement is done like through the audience itself as well Mm -hmm. kind of in the background not like near where they are all sitting but just like in the back of them so I think are you I am so I have no idea and I'm so (laughs) interested to see how it's being staged it's definitely a challenging space because you have like you're playing on essentially the floor and the audience sits above you which is very different than how most of us have been trained um 
which is like, oh, everyone's below you, so you just look straight out and everyone can see your face. And with the TELUS, if you look straight out, there are three levels of people that are watching your forehead move and nothing else. Um, another thing with that is like vocal projection. If you are projecting for a traditional stage, you don't need to worry about hitting the ceiling because there's no one there to hear what's going on. Um, but with the TELUS, you do. So it is, it's a challenging place to stage. It like offers, offers a lot of opportunities, like you said. Um, but it also, yeah, it's, it's interesting to work there. Yeah, I think that'll be, it, and because like this set, is, you have to be really kind of careful on how you're setting everything up too. Yeah. So that'll be, <laughs> that'll be fun too. Sorry, we were just watching the one just kind of hit herself Struggle. in the face right now. <laughs> um, that's super cool. Um, is there any kind of, as you've been doing this, is there any type of like other studies that you've done for like the roles that you've played? Like, ooh. Ah, well, I'm trying to think like you always sort of research uh, shows that you're in just to get context on sort of the world of the play. I can't think of anything specifically that I've done in this program yet that's been like a super intense like, skill so to learn. I did have um, I had a monologue in one of, in my first year show where I listed, I think it was like 50 cities in a specific order and it, it just went on like you just list the cities and so that was interesting because I spent a lot more time with a map than I've ever spent before wow. trying to like chart the path that this character would have taken to visit all of these cities and and remembering like what comes after what um oh, yeah and I have a classmate right now who is learning to play soccer because he's been cast as a soccer we're, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, our uh, our Claudio is a soccer star in Much Ado. He's returning. Oh, is this like a mo oh, is this a modern take of Much Ado about nothing? It is not. We haven't placed it a specific date yet. Okay. All I know, and I <laughs> I am <laughs> as curious as you are, is that in this world, Claudio has returned. He's like a Christian, like Ronaldo type, um, <laughs> and he's back. So. Uh, He's back and ready for love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, like, you'll see Matthew, uh, if you walk down Main Mall, I'm sure, like, dribbling a soccer ball somewhere, <laughs> trying to get to the point where he convinced people that he's a soccer star. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I know, I know. Hard. I and can feel it. And how intimidating, right? Like, to dribble on stage as, as a theater nerd who's never done anything like that before. Nope. Yeah. If you, like, if you, like <laughs> miss that, if you, like, miss, like, I know. Yourself, it's like, oh yeah, uh, I totally meant to do that. It's totally oh, like, a thing oh, that God. happened that was totally planned. Have you ever seen like scenes? I feel like there's so many scenes in plays where actors have to like catch something. Like people seem to love to write like she tosses a cup and like he catches it and it's so funny to watch because it's, it's like the some of the least coordinated people in the world trying to like look like they naturally can they can snap yeah, things out of the this? air like mm -hmm. i'm totally cool enough to do this yeah no those are the scariest moments oh, yeah, yeah that <laughs> you have to like do the whole pickup of the cup and you're like this is not yeah choreography <laughs> for sure no we had a lot of that in she kills monsters with the swords too where you're like one day you feel like a total like 
badass with your sword and you look great and everything's fantastic and then the next day you hit yourself in the leg and you have to recover as if that's you know fine (laughs) so it's good I'm not in pain at all exactly (laughs) keeps you on your toes um so you play in the much ado about nothing you play uh crap I forgot her name Ursula and Conrad yeah Ursula and Conrad how different are those two characters that you're playing? They're quite different. I get to go uh, a little bit evil again with Conrad, although he is not he or she. I'm not. I have yet to be told what. But, <laughs> What's going on? Um, yeah, but essentially in the script, he is not the mastermind of all the evil things. He's uh, just kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Um, and Ursula, she is one of Hero's uh, waiting women, ladies-in-waiting, I guess. Um, and so there is, like, there's quite a fun scene there um, with Hero where we kind of plant the seed uh, for love later on with Beatrice. So that that's fun. But, yeah, both of them are they're quite different, I think, just between the, like, nice, funny lady and, like, the conniving man. I'm actually really excited about Much Ado because it is my favorite Shakespeare play. Yeah. However, I have never seen it. Yeah. Like, I have never watched it. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see this version of oh it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you. Yeah, no, it's so interesting because you, you study Shakespeare's plays a lot, but there's not, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, Bard, obviously. But a lot of people have not seen their favorite show. So that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be really cool. I think um, I kind of... I know that there won't be a scene where both of those characters that you play will be on stage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, but. Oh, but, oh, but maybe. No, no, you finish and then I'll tell you. <laughs> but, but I do desperately want that because I think it would just be funny. The costume change on just stage. Just like yeah. costume change on stage. Like you say you line and then you like a rush of like costume. Like yeah. maybe even like you just have like uh, a fabric that you wear like yeah a, uh, sash you know, and then you like drop it and it's a skirt mm-hmm, actually like cool. once what i've seen uh done once about like two characters like one actor playing two characters yeah. at the same time having a conversation is what they <laughs> did is like um instead of like having any costume change they got a mirror and oh. the actor would turn around angle the mirror <laughs> towards the audience and that would be one character and then the other character would be like mirror down towards the audience Oh, yeah. that's smart. Yeah, it that's was... really cool. Well, tell us. What you're gonna <laughs> tell oh no, I just I've been reading the the script like it's in my bag right now. There is a scene, and I d- can't remember the order of it, but there is one where like one of my characters has like either the third or second last line of the scene, and then the next character has, uh, like the second line of the scene following it. So I am. I did actually start. I like put a star when I was marking up my script that says how. Like wow. <laughs> I'm very curious to see how that happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much for thank um, you. coming on air. Thank you. You will be playing um, both Conrad and Ursula. Ursula. I just had to remember Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> for Much Ado About Nothing, which is uh, going to premiere on... Oh, my God. Oh my god. <laughs> it's in November. I know my schedule is booked until then. Well, we're yeah. both unprepared. <laughs> um, we'll premiere November. I'm sure we're going to talk about it more because oh, for sure. we both love them. Yeah. Um, It'll be on the, uh, the film and, and theater website, too. Yeah. So, yeah, you can easily find all the information there. 
and the other two players that are coming, which was the Lion, Lion in the Streets Lion and the streets. Gold Rush. Gold Rush, which both sound really cool. I honestly am really excited for Lion in the Streets. Yeah, because ghost yeah. things are cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. Thank I'm you. Very happy to have you. Thank here. you for having me. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Uh, we're gonna do some more interviews, but first we're gonna do our ads and PSAs. Talk to you guys later. Are you starting fresh this year and looking for new, exciting activities to do with friends on campus? Did you watch theater in high school and now miss it? Feeling overwhelmed and need a break? Come and escape to another world through thrilling live performance right on campus. Celebrate with us the 60th anniversary of UBC Theater and Films 2018-19 season. <laughs> Still need more convincing? It's only 11.50 for UBC students with your card and bring your ticket into Kerner's after the show to get 10% off your food. Check out theaterfilm.ubc.ca today. Attention grad students, share your research, find out what's going on in other disciplines, approach your work from a new angle. Check out Fire Talks, the interdisciplinary discussion forum sponsored by the Research Commons at Kerner Library. Visit bit.ly slash firetalk for more information. confession to make we're supposed to do a interview that jake clark uh did he, but i'm having a hard time finding it so we're just gonna kind of listen to our voices for a minute as i talk why don't we just talk about stuff that's oh do you want going on? should i talk about this Ooh, maybe um i think we should talk one let's talk about a book that uh our beautiful, beautiful reporter, Lua, would love to talk about. Let's yes. bring it in. Okay, so I recently read a book. It's by, I would say poetry, but it's not really poetry all the time. It's mostly poetry, though. Book called Bolt by Hilary Peach. And I really enjoyed this book. And I just want to start already by recommending it. It was just a really nice soothing read I guess um it's the kind of poetry book that you don't really necessarily have to think through every line or be very meticulous or if you read something wrong you don't understand the rest of a poem it's very flowy um very gentle on the <laughs> on your mind and it just it tells a story without without telling necessarily a story throughout but it does tell a story of the author um and her experiences um and i just found her really really interesting um and the fact the thing is this author hillary peach she is a um boilermaker or she's part of the international brotherhood of boilermakers and iron iron shipbuilders, blacksmiths, and forgers, and helpers. So basically, she does work with metals and stuff. I'm sorry, I am not acquainted with any of that at all, so I don't really know how to describe <laughs> it. That's um, totally fine. But basically, this is a very um, male-centric 
industry. And she has to move around a lot, um, at, at least according to the book. And that's what it feels like that she has to move around a lot. And inside this male-centric industry, there she is. And um, you see, you, you can read of moments where there is um misogyny going on but there are also moments where she deals with it that you just go like this is a really cool way of de- dealing with it um yeah so you would recommend it yes <laughs> well i finally found the file and so we're gonna play that as you guys listen to um uh interview uh interviewees are jill raymond and tom hill and it's about this fringe life So I hope you guys kind of enjoy. See ya. FM, broadcasting from the unceded territory of the Musqueam people. My name is Jake Clark, and I'm here to bring you the This Fringy Life podcast, where we take a look at the creators and shows in Vancouver's two-header. We're going to start it off with an interview with Jill Raymond on her show currently coming to the Culch, Hysteria. Take a listen. This is This Fringy Life, and I am joined today by Jill Raymond. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Jill is a publicist, yes? Yeah, I do publicity for a few different artists, but um, obviously this year is slightly different because I'm also publicizing myself. It's, it's interesting because we've been in touch for probably about three years yeah. for various shows, and this is you know the first time we're, we're having you on the show. Yeah. It sort of comes full circle that yeah, way a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And this show you have for Fringe, could you unpack it a little bit? It's called Hysteria. Yeah, so Hysteria is um, a look at where we are in society, kind of. We're still in the throes of the Me Too movement, but kind of now looking how, where do we go post Me Too? Like, what is going to happen now in our society? There is a lot of unanswered questions and I think the most important thing that we're trying to hit on with this show is that we need to be having these important and difficult discussions with with everybody in our lives and opening up questions that need to be raised without also putting on any kind of idea of this is what we think should happen because it's very tricky like it's a very swampy kind of situation it's really hard to say that things are black and white because they're not um, issues around consent um, and sexual interactions, uh, you know, between men and women, but also, uh, you know, across different sexualities as well. It's important that we try to start figuring out how we can move forward as a society, essentially. Well, yeah, it's a pretty important objective. I'll yeah. Hold. I know I got to ask this because it's, it's named hysteria mm-hmm. and hysteria is a medical condition was used for a long time to yeah. sort of sideline this hysterical woman it still happens today yes but uh how did that what was that exact choice like does it all delve into sort of the medical history of it something like it that? it doesn't so it took me uh, like a long time to to come up with the name for the show and i think ultimately why i landed on hysteria is because yes fundamentally we are it's an all-female cast and creative team like we are speaking from the point of view of women so yes this idea that there was a medical condition that was specifically for women and hysteria that's obviously based in sexuality and you know the fact that sexuality in women has been so misunderstood or kind of sidelined in terms of its importance with regards to sexuality for men, for example. Hysteria in terms of the mass hysteria that we're experiencing now in this outrage culture is a bit of a buzzword at the moment. Um, You know, people reacting online so quickly to things now and it 
things blowing up very quickly. So that kind of hysteria. And then also the fact that hysteria can be laughter. It can be something hysterically funny. Or you can also be hysterical and be upset. Kind of playing between those two juxtapositions, which I think really is where our show lives. We are obviously handling a lot of difficult topics for a lot of people and it's important that we have the humor that actually means that when we're able to get to the seriousness of what we're handling people don't feel like it's a lecture when you're when you look at this first do you see the uh, the jokes present or do you see the the gravity at the heart of it the show we we mix the two together so it's not like uh you know there's a bunch of comedy and then we hit you with serious stuff what i would say is towards the beginning of the show there is more lightness um, and I think that's a good way to kind of bring an audience in and get them on board if you come in straight away with with quite heavy things the audience can quite often feel affronted and we don't want people just to kind of switch off straight away and be like this is too heavy too fast like sitting there like okay I'm gonna get yelled at for an hour exactly and that's not at all what what the show is like i say it was really important to us that we find this balance of we're opening up this discussion right from when i first had this idea of this show i wanted the show to feel like a discussion a discussion between the performers a discussion with the audience and i want then the audience to go out and continue having this discussion and talking about stuff and where, when, and what was that? What was the germ of this? Obviously contextually, but specifically. I first started thinking about this show or thinking, it came from me thinking after the Me Too movement started actually feeling quite, triggered as such a irritating word in a lot of ways. But what I found was that I, I found it jarring. I found the Me Too movement really jarring because it was not comforting to me to find out that millions of other women experience this and that probably every woman has a a story that somehow fits within the Me Too movement. That wasn't a comforting thing to me. That was like, oh, I know what this feels like and it's hot, like it's heartbreaking to know that it's happening everywhere. So the expectation was to share your stories or to open up that you maybe have had some kind of some kind of situation that you've been in that it, that goes with, under the Me Too banner, whether that's something less, in inverted commas, less serious, or, you know, if you have even been raped, right? So we were expected to kind of open up those stories. And even if you didn't open up about them, it would bring up those memories, right? Because you're seeing everyone else posting these things. And then what happens then? So you've kind of opened yourself up in that way. But then there was, you know, well, what now? Like, where do we go from here? So it felt like it just was unfinished. And I just started thinking, well, how do we kind of build how after this opening up in this vulnerability, how are we then going to try and help each other and like help each other in terms of not only women banding together, which has been, I think, the most important and the best thing about the Me Too movement. But also it doesn't work unless we also all have a conversation, you know, with men and women. And like I say, all there's all different genders as well that are involved in this in the spectrum. So, you know, making sure that it doesn't just become a like my side says this and your side says that because nothing ever gets resolved that way. And because of those contingencies, that sort of inspired the speculative fiction. Yes. So, yeah. So there's parts of it, the the small vignettes in the show um, come from personal experiences or or true stories from us. But we do follow a narrative which is set ever so slightly in the future, um, but close enough that it's something that you really can imagine happening. And it's also to do with how much 
technology ha- has now infiltrate, uh, infiltrated, is that a word? Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, infiltrated our day-to-day lives um, and how much we kind of rely on um, technology to make our lives easier, shall we say. That is obviously a pressing concern. Like, there's a lot of speculative fiction, like Black Mirror, I would think, is an example. Black Mirror was awesome. a huge, huge inspiration for me uh, in, in terms of looking and creating this show. Um, I think it does it so well, this kind of... It is fiction, but you can't you can imagine it so easily becoming true and that's why i think it's so effective yeah that's why it's the black mirror obviously bears a lot of comparisons to twilight zone which is about that you know it's the scariest thing is people right and uh i i do have a question about the sort of nature of narrative here because it's already in history books there's a thing called the weinstein effect Hmm. which i believe is the effect uh sort of the trend against like the the the, like I, i don't know who it was at the time but it would be like it include Weinstein and Cosby and yeah. a lot of the big names like that's because it's a huge overturn it's a huge systematic I don't want to say leveling because there's probably very many who have not been publicized yeah. even if they have been accused but um, it really is a sort of massive turnover and a massive sort of turnover in public opinion absolutely yeah and as part of history how do you think that's gonna like when we look back on this part of time maybe 10 years maybe 20 years from now how do you think that's gonna stand Wow, that's a very good question. I think that mainly what how I have felt a difference in me. So I think that I'll do it that way and then see how I think that that might broaden out. Um, is the fact that now knowing, you know, when if you have been sexually assaulted, um, you might feel, or I think that you're you're brought, or certainly I was brought up to feel like that's so unusual. It's so rare. And it does not happen to a lot of people. But what's happened now with Me Too is that we see that actually it isn't rare. It's more normal than we ever thought it was. So now the idea that we have this knowledge that was just not out there before, it was all very like hidden behind closed doors, particularly women. I know that assault happens for both men and women and all genders, but particularly for women, there was this kind of closeted kind of society thing happening that meant that we should if you are assaulted or abused like shouldn't really talk about it you know that's something that you should really just keep for yourself and just move past from it don't you know you don't have to open that up to other people you don't have to cause harm to other people by telling them your story and it might hurt them if you tell them your story or we all know the pitfalls in terms of reporting um rapes and and sexual assaults and how that's another kind of barrier that you come across so to go back to answer your question (laughs) I think that there's more of a sense of strength building in terms of a lot of people have experienced this so there's now a lot of women that are now pushing to make sure that for future generations this does not have such a big impact of course there will always be evil people in the world there will always be people that murder there will always be people that abuse other people however if we're able to educate from a young age about changing what is considered normal in terms of sexual dynamics i think that that will probably be the biggest difference that we see do you think there's going to be any kind of pushback in the dialogue absolutely yeah i mean we're already seeing pushback i mean i was reading you know in the news the other day we've now seen um uh, louis ck and aziz ansari stop performing again and a big part 
of this story was people considered it a very gray area, these two stories with Aziz Ansari and Louis C.K. And a big pushback from that has been people saying, well, how long are we going to punish these men? How long do we punish the men for? And it's interesting because you have to consider that this is not... uh, it's people in work like if you consider Louis CK was working in a supermarket and he got his penis out in front of his co-workers he would like he would be fired from that job he wouldn't be allowed to just return to that job so I'm not saying that I necessarily agree that these people should never be able to perform again but what I'm saying is it's interesting that we're again talking about the men in these situations being punished as opposed to the trauma that these women are now living with because of their actions. Reasonable point. Mm-hmm. Do you think that in the discourse, because this is obviously a very vivid topic right now, yeah, did, is there a duty uh, that rests to continue that, or can you? Is it possible if you're a creator to opt out of uh, the discussion? Do you mean just generally across all art forms? Um, yeah, but I would say specifically like popular art forms, like art, art forms like that. No, I mean like uh, specifically like popular art forms, performance-based art forms, like where you have to reach an audience. Right. That you think, you're saying, does this now infiltrate all of that? Or do people say... Do you have to take a stand, more or less? I don't think so. I think that, um, well, it's interesting because obviously there's times that we have theatre and other pieces of art forms that that are kind of nothing, seemingly nothing to do with. Um, this part of what's happening in our society. But I think that it the, it comes from the creators, essentially. So if you are a, if you are an artist or a creator and you've never had any kind of personalized experience around it, you might not feel that you have reason or um, authority to make a stand on it, um, which I don't. Some people would say, well, that's a cop out because you can read the news and you can empathize even if you don't have that personal experience. But art is such a personal thing. So I think if you're not, I don't know where I'm going with this answer. That's a really tricky question. <laughs> it's one of those things where there's a lot of, you know, educate yourself going on. I can see why. Yeah. Like I'm not exactly sure what the role is to, as you said, to do with that information. So I think I you know, don't don't rape people. It's generally good advice. You, coming up with this piece, we are at that point. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, when I was thinking about this, and even as I said at the beginning of this interview, like it's a very swampy subject. It's not really black and white, but it kind of is. It's like, don't be an asshole. Sorry, that, if I'm not allowed to swear. Like, don't no rape people. Don't that, murder that, people. That, like that part's the pretty easy part to. Get yeah, but I I think that. The, the problem is it's more this spectrum. It's very easy to say there are these monsters, there's the Harvey Weinsteins and the Cosbys, but it's this it's the spectrum before where we're seeing people not really sure well what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, and that's where it's all really about education around how we treat each other. And to see that with jokes, go see Hysteria at Vancouver Fringe. Thank you. Is, is Okay, okay, that, 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 that could have been smoother. <laughs> that's okay. No, so, so for real, where can, where can we see the show? Should so we we're going to be at the Cult Historic, and we open on Friday the 7th at 5 p.m., and we have six shows. So, yeah, come out and see us and join the conversation. And Terrific. Well, you heard it from us. Uh, this has been This Fringy Life with special guest Jill Raymond. It was terrific to have you, Jill. Thank you very much for having me. That was Jill Raymond regarding Hysteria. In keeping with our theme of speculative fiction that is maybe a little less speculative than we'd all find comfortable, here's another interview we did with Tom Hill of the duo Hip Bang regarding their new...
Sorry about that, everyone. That is going to be uh, a little bit later after we do some ads and PSAs, and then we'll go right back to that interview. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. Slow down. You're not in a race. Alcohol-related deaths are one of the leading preventable causes of death in Canada. Please remember to drink responsibly. Hello, everyone. So we're going to get right back into that interview that Jake Clark has for us. So I hope you enjoy. Show Surveil. This fringy life, we have returned. And today I have a very special guest with me. That is Tom Hill, one half of the Vancouver comedy duo Hip Bang, who we've spotlighted and interviewed a few times on this show, currently visiting us by speakerphone on my Samsung. Tom, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jake. Hey, it's a pleasure. Now, you're doing Surveil at Fringe, that's correct? That's correct. The full t show title is Hip Bang Presents Surveil. And I believe we've spoken in some capacity about Surveil before, or at least mentioned surveillance in an interview because I can distinctly remember the last interview we did with you you mentioned a very interesting story about diapers yeah that was a nascent early phase of the show nascent maybe I'm not using that word correctly we did a very early kind of test version of the show at Just for Laughs in spring but since then we have worked harder than we've ever worked on the show before we, we worked with Marie Farsi who's an amazing uh, director here in Vancouver as well as uh, Peter Carlone from um, Peter and Chris, and built this show that is a big risk for us as, a, as artists. And it took, it took more bandwidth physically, technologically, as actors, as creators, than anything we've ever done before. And I think that shows in the work. You guys are essentially an improv duo, would that be accurate to say? Now that it used to be, we started as an improv group, um, and we actually met at UBC many, many moons ago. Um, but these days we're more focused on scripted work and filmed work. We're still definitely major improv in our work, and you know we were just at Edmonton Fringe and did an improv show there as well. So we still are always performing. We both perform at Vancouver Theatre Sports, and we run a comedy school, and we teach improv all the time. So it's not that we don't do improv, but we're more focused specifically on the wild, risky West that is the written world. Written sketch comedy, would that be accurate to say? Again, I think 
think that's kind of where we came from. This show, I would say, is the first one that you'd have to just call a play. It's it's theater. It's a really it's a more dramatic show than we've ever done. I'm still very much a comedy, but it's all about modern technology and surveillance and invasion of privacy. So it's really funny, but also scary uh, in some pretty tangible ways. And not only that, it has more sustained character work than. Devin or I have ever done on stage before. It's new to us in a lot of cool ways. Um, it's clearly new to our audience in some ways. It's really exciting. So it's still very much comedy and lots of laughs, but it's more theatrical and um, more dramatic than anything we've ever done. And is that sort of your stated ambition to make these very these concept-driven comedic it, plays? It, it, yeah, I would say there's a lot of ambition for us in that, and also just the sheer technological scale of the show. There is a, a lot of gear in this show <laughs> to, to rival a mid-level film set, uh, just because the show is all about surveillance, and we are very much running surveillance on the audience. You have to sign a waiver to watch the show. And the waiver the waiver counts, Jake. It's a real waiver. So there's a ton of ambition in just the scale of the vision of the show. And it's a real, it's a it's a big, nasty beauty to pull off every time we do it. It's a wild time. A big, <laughs> nasty beauty. That's a fantastic thing to say, to be able to say about a project. <laughs> and especially when there's the waiver involved. Because, like, w- was that, like, part of the plan? Like, when you're visualizing this, it's like, okay, we need a waiver. Or when you're workshopping it, like when you're putting it together, somebody tells you, okay, seriously, buddy, you're going to need someone to sign off on this. Well, so, Jake, I think the concept that really interested us about this show was the idea that our phones are listening to us. We, I, I think the story you were alluding to is we, when we first started talking about the show, we were talking about the idea of like Google Home being something that listens to you and that we're thinking about buying a Google Home for the show. And at that day, we both got ads on our phones for Google Home. And we'd never talked about them before, and we only talked about them, like, you know, with our mouth. Hadn't typed them in anywhere or searched Google Home or anything and got an ad. We both got ads on our separate phones for, for um, Google Home. So it's just an example, and that's, that's like a proven thing. Everyone's phones and computers, if your camera can record, if your phone has a microphone, it's always on, it's always recording, whether you're on a phone call, whether you're using it or not, unless it's off. Like, unless it's turned, the battery is powered off, your thing is recording. So that is what inspired the show. And, and so the show itself is trying to really laugh at that, but also demonstrate it in real time in a physical space. So that, you know, we have these concerns about privacy and modern technology, but they're pretty, you know, we all do, I would, I would say, but they're pretty like tucked away. We don't think about them. We're never really forced to face them. The show is meant to make you feel them physically and personally in the space. Ah. So, yeah, all that is to say, to make that possible, to say the least, you have to sign a waiver. But oh. don't let this scare you, you know? Come have fun. It's a great show. It's really fun. I think some people will be getting a bit scared by it, uh, like, in advance. Don't get scared. Come come experience it. It's a really cool, <laughs> dynamic time. You do have to sign a waiver, but don't worry. It's not injurious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, when you do know, have to exactly. sign a waiver? We're all signing a contract when we go to the theater anyway. You're, you're just signing a, a little more specific contract. And uh, it's also going to come with a ton of laughs. Okay, so I, I really want to see how that plays out now. Like, that's, an, that's a great sort of tease for the show. And I, I've got to ask this, because this has been a, a hot-button topic recently. And there's been right. a lot of development on it. Uh, like, it goes yeah. back and forth from, because I remember, like, when... There was a thing like in the States with the NSA that when that whole thing broke. But it seems oh, yeah. like the focus on that is it's kind of been accepted a bit or at least considered a less pressing contingency uh, with, with the regards to the invasion of privacy involved in surveillance. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a shame. But also, I don't think we should underestimate, like, Edward Snowden, uh, uh, the whistleblower who, like, brought forward all the things the NSA was doing in the United States. And for those that don't know, that included the government had uh, an arrangement with most of the telecom providers to just be able to look at anyone's phone records or their actual phone calls or text messages whenever they wanted without cause. And they were just paying the companies to do this, you know, like AT&T and I can't remember all the different specific names, but big ass companies, amongst many other things they were doing. And because of Edward Snowden doing that whistleblowing, a lot of that stuff got locked down. A lot of those NSA programs, at least as they existed at the time, were uh, forcibly scrapped or whatever. Now, probably there's other ways that they're doing that now. But, you know, not to say that, like, that was impactful. It did, it did set back that invasion of privacy in a significant way. But, yeah, I, I think you're right that the issue, people just don't think about it. I mean, ooh, Jake, I tell you what, we are ready to give people a refund if they don't want to sign this waiver. We've only ever had one person ask for a refund, and they, it's like no one reads the waiver is what it comes down to. Waivers are important. People should read waivers. I mean, I, you know, or at least be conscious of what they are signing away. That's that's the best tagline I can probably get out of this. See the show, read the waiver, <laughs> enjoy the frightening dystopian possibility that you are being surveilled at this moment while you're listening to this podcast. Don't think too hard about that. Um, yeah, well, that's what's so interesting about it, Jake. And I guess I just want to emphasize again. Yes, we bring up those things. We also are telling our own story on stage, and it's not about you know exposing people in the audience or anything like that. It's it's like tons of fun throughout, and I just really have like a chip on my shoulder about. I think people hear the phrase and like, oh, that sounds like it's a you know I'm gonna have my privacy invaded. No, you're you're gonna be fine. Come come have some fun. We're still comedians first, and that's what the show's about. But we balance that with uh, with more meat on the bones of the show than we've ever we've ever had before, which is really exciting. And where and when can we catch this at Fringe? We are most nights at 6 p.m. at the Improv Center. We are uh, proudly co-presented by Vancouver Theater Sports, where we uh, both perform. So it opened Friday, this Friday, uh, just July. This Friday, September 7th at 6 p.m. And then we're most nights at 6 p.m. until uh, the 16th, Sunday the 16th. All right. That's awesome. We'll have to, we'll have to check it out. Uh, yeah, you can find the full details of Vancouver Fringe website or um, on our Facebook page or on our website, hipbang.ca. Yeah, that, that's hipbang, correct? Yeah. It's a very energetic name. Hipbang, exclamation point. Yeah. Hip bang. Tom, it's been lovely to have you. So great to chat with you again, Jake. Right. We'll talk to you. And, and we'll probably talk to you again soon. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll see you online and every day, just like everyone else. Well, that was quite something. We've got some interesting shows coming up at Vancouver Fringe. A couple others I just want to spotlight real quick. One is uh, Woody Said, Woody S-E-D, which is a joke. It's a show about Woody Guthrie. He used to have a column called Woody Says, S-E-Z. I just want to spotlight this because this show is being put on by a gentleman named Tom Jones. And uh, Woody Guthrie did famously influence a 1960s singer, but it, it wasn't Tom Jones. Tom Jones was too good a singer. Uh, but yes, that one is worth checking out. He's a UBC alumnus, so I assume he's a good character. And then there is also Kathy Shank's Squeeze My Cans uh, Surviving Scientology. I just want to put that one out there because, you know what, uh, invasions of privacy kind of suck. So do cults. This has been uh, Jake Clark on The Arts Report. You can join us uh, next week for a, yet another installment of This Fringy Life. And over to whoever just played this. And that was me. I played that. Well, now we're back. Uh, we're going to do just one more review before we head out, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Um, so me and Lua Hello. went to go see a movie for the Vancouver International Film Festival, um, which was, oh, man, 
This was an intense film. Um. <laughs> so it was called We the Animals. And it is um, the director is Jeremiah Zagar. Zagar. I'm not really sure. I'm also bad at names. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's originally from the U.S. And it is a really interesting film about coming of age. So it focuses on this 10-year-old boy. And I'm pretty sure that by the end of the movie, he's a little bit older. It, I so think the time, uh, the time is the the way that the kind of s- the movie is like paced. It feels like a lot of time. Like you feel like you've been there for a lot yeah. of time, but like you aren't really sure about the. Yeah, you aren't really sure if it's like one month or three years. But um, the one time frame that they do give us is that. At one point, it is the little boy's birthday, and he says, "Oh, today I'm turning ten. So that's the only time frame you really you're really given. And I like to I like to point out that this this main these main characters uh, are mixed. The children are mixed. The mother is white, and the father is Puerto Rican. So it, it, they're the Puerto the Puerto Rican kind of culture, or at least like the Latin American culture, isn't really like touched upon a lot but there are those moments when you do have them which is really fun like they have this dancing scene yeah which is really cool um i just like to point out because it's like really it's nice to see a coming of age story about people of color yeah i i yeah i think so too it was really interesting um to see a little bit of not like the thing is like this story could have been very similar to many other coming-of-age stories. But the way this movie was made um, and the way that we follow this little boy and see things through his eyes, um, because he writes a diary and he draws on this diary and they have and there are illustrations while he narrates stuff. So it is a mix of... Um, what do you call it? like normal movies with people? <laughs> like, <laughs> normal. It, there's, a, I guess, like the home video kind of feel yeah. to it, and 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 with that kind of home video feel, there's also like the the, the I don't know if it's like the camera yeah. or even like the way that it's setting or anything like that. But it the film even feels kind of blurry at times. Oh, yeah. Just like a little hint of it. It doesn't like it's not like super blurry, but it has like this blurriness that you. I feel like a lot of people think about when they look back, kind of like, on their it, memories. Yeah, or it gives kind of like this like childish view. It very much like points the camera into this child view, and there's and the animations are amazing in it. Like props to whoever did those animations are really great. Uh, um, so it is. It, let me just give you kind of like what this the story, story is. is about. So. Uh, we follow this child. Um, he the story is of him coming of age, dealing with not only his his role in his family, but his role uh, dealing with kind of like hormones, like who he loves, how how he deals with stuff. His it, sexuality, it, his as sexuality well. plays a part in it as well, um, and it, it deals with all these things of like we of like kids kind of growing up and how they just like how they like look on our parents and look on the situation around them and kind of uh display the same kind of characteristics or the same things not not the same things but how 
how they just like look up to the people that they're around and how they like take those uh stuff that they do and do it as well and i think it's really important to point out that um this movie was really intense because it does portray a very abusive um family life and it's it's very intense and it's very frightening at times not really frightening like oh i'm scared i'm spooked but frightening as in you can see the effect that violence like the parents violence not necessarily towards the kids how that affects the kid the kids actions towards each other because we follow the youngest of three brothers and we constantly hear well you're so weird or like these play fights that yeah some of it is usual for boys but some of it you you do you feel that it's there's something wrong there and you can't necessarily point it but once you understand their family life you're like oh i see what this will become in the future yeah it's i totally forgot to mention that it was, <laughs> i forgot to mention that he was the youngest of the three siblings yeah there i definitely i guess i feel like with the the summary of the um of, of what you get from the movie of, or at least the film uh, Vancouver International Film Festival kind of brochure. Um, I don't think I was kind of prepared for how intense it was. So if you are going to go see this movie, it it's very, very good. I would definitely recommend it um, to go see it. Um, but just a heads up warning that it is a very intense um, movie. And, and like, I also <laughs> think that um, the abuse, it's it shows that how children... You can't really hate your parents. Like they don't they don't hate their parents. They love their parents and although they are abusive at times and you understand why and you understand why sometimes it is so hard to leave abusive house households um because yes there are those moments where you are you're absolutely petrified by the actions of these characters but then there are moments there that is just a beautiful family life and you couldn't be happier for their family and they're growing up together and the father is so caring and then all of a sudden it's inverted again and um the mother wakes up with um he creates these excuses as why their mother is going to stay in bed or um why their mother has been like is shutting herself out and yeah i think it's shows a lot of the nuances yeah it's definitely it's definitely a show uh not show it's definitely a movie you should definitely see um so it's running uh some of the times that it's running the ones that are past um sadly now that i'm looking at it now uh, it looks like a lot of the times have passed. It had uh, Friday, August 21st, and like the last one is Monday, September the 3rd. But they might be back for the actual festival. Yeah, they might be back for the actual festival. Um, I'm kind of looking at times right now. Um, but definitely, like, even if you can't see this in uh, the film festival, um, definitely go out, find it. It's so good. It's... A really a definitely a worthwhile film to go check out if you're into that kind of genre and can handle that kind of intensity so. oh yeah and it also won the sundance film festival and next innovator award so you can see so how amazing it is it's a pretty good movie okay well this is us signing out i hope you guys have a great rest of the day 
and I'll see you guys next Wednesday or Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.